Good evening, Turks and Caicos, and thank you for joining us. Um, tonight we bring you a live national address from the Premier, the Honorable Charles Washington Mizek. This evening we want to thank um, honorable members of the Cabinet and the House of Assembly who are joining us. We have the Deputy Premier, the Honorable E.J. Saunders, the Honorable Akira Mizek, Minister of Physical Planning and Infrastructure De Development, also the Leader of Government Business, the Honorable Josephine Connolly, Minister of Tourism, the Honorable Arlington Musgrove, Minister of Immigration and Border Services, the Honorable Otis Morris, Minister of Home Affairs, the Honorable Rachel Taylor, Minister of Education, the Honorable Sean Malcolm, the fifth All-Island elected member, and the Honorable Jamaica Williams, government's appointed member in the House of Assembly. So briefly, the Premier will be coming to the podium to bring national remarks and updates to the nation. Following that, um, we will be taking questions from the media uh, regarding the Premier's statement and any other pertinent matters relating to national updates. So at this time, I welcome the Premier of the Turks and Caicos Islands, the Honorable Charles Washington Mizek. Good afternoon, Turks and Caicos. Good afternoon. In fact, maybe it should say good evening rather than afternoon. It's getting. So um, thank you very much, Miguel. I'd like to welcome all of you who have chosen to tune in this, this evening by Radio Turks and Caicos or who are watching via Facebook. And I wish to acknowledge the members of Cabinet and the House of Assembly who are here in the press room. I also wish to say thank you to the members of the press present and to those attending virtually. As promised, my government will continue to be accountable and transparent, providing you with updates on projects and programs already in progress and initiatives to be implemented. My government continues to highlight its commitment to triple bottom line sustainability, that is economic, social, and environmentally, and we will continue our efforts to invest in the delivery of total quality services and opportunities to all stakeholders. My government remains focused on decisions intended to empower Turks and Caicos Islanders and will always keep the lines of communication open to confirm that what we do is in the best interest of all of you and that you feel the impact of the economic growth being experienced here in Turks and Caicos. I acknowledge that we are not there yet, but the package of measures in process will ensure that that is achieved. So this afternoon I come to you in this press conference with four main themes. One, the TCI economy is buoyant. Inflation pressures are very high. The government understands the predicament of diminishing purchasing power of, of earnings, and we are here to help. Momentum in the government public sector investment program will foster a near-term boost to the job market, other economic activities, and provide opportunities 
whilst growing public capital stock. Let me start first for a moment on public finances. The Turks and Caicos Islands economy has shown strong growth momentum in early 2022. You will recall that estimates of revenues and expenditure for the financial year 22-23 were approved in the House of Assembly on May 5, 2022. The quarterly report for the first quarter ended July, sorry, June 30, 2022 is not due until the 28th of July, 2020. However, we can report all major revenue heads have been performing near or exceeding that of pre-COVID levels. Hotel and restaurant tax recorded a revenue intake of 10.7 million, imported duty of 7.9 million, stem duty on land transaction of 6.5 million, customs processing fee of 3 million, and work permits of 1.7 million. And these are numbers to the end of May. Given that the financial year started April 1. So the year-to-date actuals at the end of May is 81.5 million and surpasses both budget and prior year by 12.2 million and 14.4 million respectively due to, uh, to the outstanding performance in hotel and restaurant tax. Year-to-date total expenditure came in at 43.5 million which trailed the approved budget by some 19.1 million. Outstanding public debt, debt stood at a half a million dollars. Cash and cash equivalents totaled $243 million at the end of May 22. As tourism is our bread and butter, we look to trends in tourism arrivals and occupancy rates as an indication of the general activity in the economy. And according to Turks and Caicos Islands Tourism Association, properties, that is hotel rooms, are registering rates average between 60 and 70 percent. Some are surprisingly as high as between 80 and 19 percent, and that is currently occurring even now in July, and I have been reliably informed that the rates are expected to continue through the end of August. So, based on this trajectory and, and continuous attraction of foreign direct investment, the economy looks and remains strong. Let's turn our attention to the previous intervention that the government made in relationship to shoring up the livelihood of its people. On March 15, 2022, in anticipation of the rise of inflation, Cabinet agreed that the approved annual estimate for financial year 22-23 would factor in a reduction in fuel tax from 85 cents to 64 cents and customs processing fees from 7.5% to 5%. The plan revenue lo loss was from the initiative. The plan revenue loss from the initiatives was $15 million. The Turks and Caicos, like most economies in the world, continue to experience the effect of the Russian invasion of Ukraine.
rising prices of fuel, supply chain issues, increasing commodity prices, and skyrocketing food costs has negatively impacted the purchasing power of every household. And according to the Department of Statistics, inflation is now running at somewhere around 9.1%. Bills are increasing at such a fast pace that salaries can't keep up. Households in the lower income brackets are disproportionately washed off because the majority of their earnings are spent on rent, food, and electricity, and they have very little wiggle room to cover the buffer and, the, and further increases. Whilst the government is aware anecdotally that residential rents have increased, especially in Providenciales, the overall rate of increase cannot be given at this time, but data shows that food has reportedly increased by 38% and it electricity bills by 23%. The government, through an initiative to proactively track the rising cost of fuel at the pumps in the Turks and Caicos since March 22, has seen the rising trends. A report issued by the Department of Trade in early July records price increases in regular gas per gallon of that month range, range, uh, in the past ranging between 20 cents to a dollar depending on the island and the station. Increases in premium gas range from 38 cents to 96 cents. And in diesel from 28 cents to $1.58. Gas prices are as high as $7.98 for regular and $7.95 for premium and $7.40 with diesel. So everyone is feeling the pinch. And so, as we have done in the past, and as we promised to do at any time when it is required to make sure that we make investments and take decisions that's in the best interest of our people, to ensure to the extent that we can that their standard of living is not substantially uh, impacted by external shocks. And while there are some major considerations going on for, to take some long-term decisions in relationship to the current state of affairs, uh, the government has made uh, some decisions to try to alleviate the current pressure current inflation, pr inflationary pressure. And so the Cabinet agreed today to offer Turks and Caicos Islanders what we call a price inflation stimulus. Yes, a price inflation stimulus, a package of $16 million. And what does the package contain? The package has three parts. One, direct assistance of $1,000 to Turks and Caicos Islanders and British Overseas Territory citizen residents, estimated at $12 million. The benefit will be extended to approximately 12,000 individuals. The stimulus is being given to provide relief for homeowners who require assistance with rental payments 
provide relief for homeowners who require assistance with utility bills, relieve homeowners who require assistance with loan payments and utilities, provide relief for loan repayments, transportation, transportation expenses, and groceries. Your government understands how important it is to give this assistance now. So, it has agreed that the previously approved list of citizens' inflation adjustment stimulus applicants will be used to distribute stimulus checks. In other words, those persons who are already registered in the system based on the last disposition will not have to reapply for the benefit and go through the vetting process. Again, if you receive the $500 earlier this year, you do not have to apply for this inflation adjustment stimulus. It would, the payment for you will be processed automatically. The government has agreed to provide a waiver of customs duties and customs processing fees on, a certain, on certain staple and breadbasket items imported to the islands from August 1 to November 30, 2022, while we keep our eyes on price inflation. A further $2 million injection is being made in the works program to assist with providing additional jobs in the economy. And in addition, Cabinet today approved a $600 exemption per returning resident on purchases imported on non-business related trips. This is $200 increase from the current $400 currently exempted. Additionally, it tends to remove the requirements to complete customs arriving passenger declaration forms at all international airports effective August 1st, 2022 on goods below the personal allowance of $600. Now, that is as it relates to the current relief on price inflation. And we will keep the situation under review. As you are aware, President Biden is currently in the Middle East and he will be uh, going to uh, Saudi Arabia uh, to meet with the government in Saudi Arabia uh, with a view of trying to persuade them to pump more, more oil. There are also other efforts being made to increase the supply of oil in the market. Uh, there have been some moves, some downward movement uh, of oil prices, and certainly see it at the gas pumps in the U.S. Uh, it will probably take some time to impact us, and hopefully, uh, as supply increase, the prices will come down. Uh, but we will keep our eyes on on that, uh, and so as we would do on all other uh, price increases inflation price increases as a result of supply chain issues. In the meantime, though, I'd just like to uh, point out where we are with some of the high-priority projects that's in train. And so I would now want to turn your attention to some of these projects that are deemed 
high priority and will have high impact on the economic well-being of the country. Let me turn, uh, uh, let me report on some of these by first looking at the destination management organization uh, efforts that we are making. Given that the tourism industry is vital for the country's economy, changes are needed to maximize economic benefits and improve various experience, visitors' experience. For this reason, Turks and Caicos is in the process of establishing a tourism destination management and marketing organization and a tourism regulatory authority, and this is not something new. You've heard about this before. I want to update you. We have hired consultants to help us to achieve this. The first stage is the conceptualization and design of organizational and financial models for the DMMO and the TRA, starting with the transition process of the tourist board staff to the new institutions. The consultants already presented this stage, the first stage to both the minister and to myself and they are completing the financial model for presentation by the end of July for cabinet's review and decision. The second stage will be focused on drafting the legislation that will be used to set up the DMMO and the Tourism Regulatory Authority. And the third stage will consist of the definition of the country's new tourism development strategy. At the moment, Ladies and gentlemen, this first project phase is almost completed and the collaboration with the tourist board staff already started for definition of the right for the definition and the determination of the right model for the transition to the DMMO and the TRA. I'd like to report on progress that are being made now to the Providenciales International Airport terminal. The Providenciales International Airport Redevelopment Consultancy Project is in progress and it is well on track with the culmination of phase one of, this, of its timeline occurring within a couple of weeks. Phase two of the consultancy will involve the preparation and release of tender process, inviting submissions to bid for what is likely to be for the construction of a new world-class terminal here in Providenciales. The consultants will be on island next week to conduct a series of workshops with the advisory committee and with cabinet and will further meet with industry stakeholders to present their data findings and to propose and a proposal for moving forward with the redevelopment of the airport terminal. The intent is to construct an airport terminal that will be able to comfortably service the needs of Turks and Caicos Islands growing tourism industry for the next 20, 30 years and beyond. It anticipates that consultancy will conclude and the selection of a contractor and the breaking of the ground for the terminal will start no later than February 2023. A lot of work, as I said, has already been done, and we're extremely encouraged by what we see. 
This is going to be a major investment, literally hundreds of millions of dollars, and so we have, have had to be very, very careful about the steps we take to make sure the end product is something that we can be proud of because it will be around, it will have to be around for several decades. Uh, also, the, the whole idea of improving our uh, transportation system is, uh, is very important, uh, and it is how we can help to facilitate investment by the private sector. So it's very important that we make these investments. I turn my attention now to the Port Authority. The ports, su the ports support domestic trade, commerce, and increased competitiveness of the Turks and Caicos Islands economy. The Ports Authority continues to take to make progress in rebuilding the entire port system with projects ongoing on all islands of the Turks and Caicos and sustainable work plans are being implemented. The cabinet recently approved the Ports Authority's 2223-2224-25 strategic plan which balances security, safety, resilience, sustainability, and effective partnership. Ports projects are ongoing on all islands. The government has committed $53 million for the redevelopment of South Dock Providenciales over the next three years and tenders for purchases one and two, including construction of a port office building, are currently being finalized for cabinet approval. In the interim, a project for maintenance grading of the container yard has commenced. Two, with a combined investment of just under $3 million, the Belfield Landing Welcoming Center and Belfield Landing Dredging are going ahead and should be completed by the end of the summer. Sixteen boat slips and a new ferry landing will be constructed at Belfield Landing as part of the Civilian Safety Project, which was approved by Cabinet in June. And the government has required, acquired recently, or is in the process of acquiring additional land around the port to make sure that it has the space that it is going to require for port expansion at Belfield Landing. And some of you who have been to North Caicos recently, you will see that the building, the new the new terminal building there uh, at the facility is nearly completed. In South Caicos, port is being rehabilitated with an investment of around $2 million. This project should be completed by the end of the summer. With an investment of about $2 million tendering for the rehabilitation of the Grand Turk port office building and dredging of South Caicos port will both commence shortly. I want to turn attention briefly to Crown Land because this is a subject that we all are justifiably concerned about as we look at the uh, high cost of housing and the difficulty uh, in Turks and Caicos Islanders uh, affording land to develop uh, homes. Uh, we've been promised, we've promised you some time that we will deal with this issue of, uh, of housing and Crown land allocation. And I am pleased to say that the Turks and Caicos government in partnership with the United Kingdom government 
have engaged two independent consultants who are working collaboratively to undertake a comprehensive review of the existing Crown land policy legislation, operating procedures, and resourcing. So it's Crown land policy legislation and how it will operate and how it will be resourced. And I'm pleased to say that to date, the consultants have together carried out face-to-face -face and virtual discovery interviews with a wide range of stakeholders, including senior government officials, as well as private sector entities, including the Bar Association, the Chamber of Commerce, and of course, uh, well, the Real Estate Association, and of course, the general public. They've had a series of town hall meetings throughout the islands. The interviews were designed to elicit information on issues arising from the operation of the current law, policy, procedures, and resourcing. The consultants received 135 responses. These engagements highlighted a number of issues which have been clustered under the following broad headings. And I wouldn't go in much detail, but what I will say, the issues related to the following broad headings. That include residential land, conditional purchase leases, commercial land, crown land, the crown land unit itself, disposal processes, illegal occupation, marine and coastal land. So there will be a comprehensive report, but of course, initially our main concern coming out of the box has to be the availability of residential land on terms that are acceptable to the people of these islands. And um, I may say a little bit more about how we intend to do that, if not in this press statement and another one, because we are making progress with our housing uh, policy. The consultants are now using the information gathered from these arrangements along with data provided from key stakeholders and information from existing policies, ordinance, and procedural documents to develop their findings and recommendation for reform. And this is the clincher because a lot of you have been asking when will we get the report and when will these uh, changes become effective. We will be presented with a report at the end of July, a mere two weeks from now, and then we will proceed to the next step. And that, that would be taking the decisions uh, as to exactly, depending on the recommendations. Uh, I'd like to speak to you briefly again on some measures we're taking to make sure that the delivery of public investment is done on a timely basis. And so we just came out of a session on Monday. Uh, some of you would have heard of something called the delivery unit. Uh, the government of Turks and Caicos Islands, in recognizing the need to accelerate the progression of priority projects from start to finish as part of its commitment to the people of Turks and Caicos, is establishing the Premier's delivery unit that will monitor, track, and facilitate the delivery of prioritized projects. Now, the cost of establishing this institution is approximately $2.5 million 
and the program, the consultancy program will run for until currently until next year, August. The value added of this initiative will be the ability of doing things differently for the people of the Turks and Caicos Islands. The delivery unit's mantra is business unusual, calling for flexibility and agility in the way government does business to produce better and quicker results. The Premier's delivery unit, while accelerating implementation, will bring about impactful, timely outcomes, in addition to knowledge transfer and fostering a transformative work culture focused on delivery and results. The government, there are a significant list of capital investment projects. Uh, some of them have a greater impact on the economy and on the people of these islands than others. And so in other in order to isolate the most impactful projects and the ones that have the highest priority, uh, the, the delivery unit will focus on 10 major projects, uh, not exclusive to everything else. And these are not the only ones. But 10 major projects uh, uh, will be prioritized be because of the impact it has on the economy and the social uh, development of, of TCI. Informal settlement eradication. The, each one of these uh, require uh, separate explanations that will take longer than we have today. But what the informal settlement eradication hopes to do is to deal holistically and systemically with the issue of informal settlement or or what we call shanties, uh, because it's important uh, for safety, security reasons, and, uh, and other reasons that every community in this country requires to be able to have a quality of life which uh, no one should live below. But also, there should be no place in these islands where law enforcement and other delivery of other public service uh, cannot be done easily. And we need to ensure that uh, the informal settlements uh, are properly regulated. We will go about it in a decent law-abiding way. We will be very firm to make sure that this, uh, the, the, the spread, the illegal spread of illegal construction uh, is, is dealt with and dealt with once and for all. And then, of course, we have the Immigration and Population Management Framework. That study is ongoing, and we should be able to have a report back between now and the end of this year, and so that before, before the upcoming financial year, we should be in a position to start to implement uh, the recommendations from that report. Let me speak briefly on the social service aspect, because there are two critical um, there are two critical projects that's on this list uh, that I referred to. One of them I referred to earlier, and that the first one is the Comprehensive Housing Development Framework. 
we are making progress in developing a holistic housing policy, which we should have finished by the end of July. Uh, and I would have spoken about this in the past, where we will deliver. I, I've spoken on many occasions, and, I, and I've told you that it is the government's intention to deliver communities rather than giving people a piece of dirt. We want to be able to give them a decent, comfortable, completed place to live. So the focus is on developing communities, safe communities. And so the housing policy that we're working on will be finished the end of July, and then we can start to uh, make some serious uh, plans and implementation as to exactly which direction we're going to take this. But it will be comprehensive, and it will be uh, collaborative uh, with uh, contractors, with government, with investors. So that is where we're headed with this. And then the, the food security, food security and food sovereignty is also something that we've identified as a major uh, priority. And the government will be increasing its investment uh, in agriculture, in fisheries, in aquaculture. And institutional strengthening uh, is another priority for this government. And that includes infrastructure for the courts of law enforcement and for rehabilitation. And there is $2 million uh, allocated in this year's budget to start looking at um, rebuilding or building uh, the a, a court system uh, for TCI. Uh, and of course, um, uh, significant amounts of money will be spent on rehabilitation. The um, next uh, matter here that I'd like to bring to your attention is that of infrastructure and environmental resilience. Uh, there is, I, I mentioned the ports earlier, but there's a transportation study taking place, and so once we get that transportation report back, we will be able to speak to you more specifically. But the intention is to have an integrated transport transportation system, and that system includes already the airports, the seaports, the roads, the bridges, and oh, yes, it includes doing some early scoping work on the Caicos Turnpike, that is the Caicos Spine Road. Comprehensive state of industry communication, infrastructure leaking the Turks and Caicos by fiber. We spoke to that in cabinet today. Um, so the issue we have here, particularly with uh, some of the other islands where the communication system uh, is sometimes very poor, uh, I think if we're going to go into fully into the 21st century and be able to attract uh, first-class business, particularly um, particularly fintech and that kind of industry, then we definitely will need to upgrade uh, our communications network, and that is identified as a priority. And then, of course, the issue of solid waste management. 
is also, particularly in the light of what we've seen uh, most recently at the solid waste or the dump site here in Providenciales, it is something that we take very seriously and we have to deal with very quickly. Um, on the service side of it, we've identified the need to have a better contract management system in place. And of course, uh, we will be starting this month uh, with an exercise, a consultancy with Digital Government UK and other partners to start to be focusing on the Digital Government Turks and Caicos in order to start to improve the delivery of government services. Now, I know, you know, all of us know that service is not what it could be or should be or need to be, and that is something that we're working feverishly on to fix. Uh, for the people of Grand Turk, uh, in particular, I want to highlight the progress we're making or have made and will continue to make on the Grand Turk Enhancement and Sustainability Agency. The government is pleased to report that in June 2022, uh, and I believe for those of you who would have listened, the House of Assembly approved the Grand Turk Enhancement and Sustainability Agency, which affords the establishment of the Community Enhancement and Sustainability Account. The intervention will replace the infrastructure improvement account formerly managed by the government and Carnival. The proceeds from the account will be used to execute projects and services that will construct, upgrade, preserve, and rehabilitate infrastructure, uh, historical sites, um, and cultural uh, areas of importance throughout the island of Grand Turk so that the rich cultural and heritage history of the islands will be maintained. It is envisaged that the remaining funds in the infrastructure account will be transferred to the Community Enhancement and Sustainability Account, CESA, once the Board of Directors is established. Uh, and I can say to you today that the board, that the cabinet today appointed uh, members of the board, and so now we can move to the next step uh, of appointing uh, management and other functions, uh, func uh, functionaries, and make sure that, that that organization is operationalized as quickly as possible. Um, so the board is now in a position to move full uh, with its full inception and operationalizing its, its, its work. The infrastructure account balance stands at close to $9 million. And then, of course, as we've learned recently, despite the issues at the port, uh, we've, we've now surpassed the 300,000 uh, visitor for the year. So we're at a point now where funds uh, will start to go directly into that account. So I imagine pretty soon uh, it will be well in excess of $10 million, and we can start drawdown on making those significant investments that we have to make in, the, in, in Grand Turk. Um, let me say a little bit more about the Integrated Solid Waste Management Program. Uh, works continued regarding the onboarding of the consultants to lead the program to find the rest the best solution for solid waste management in the Turks and Caicos Islands. The recent fires in the landfill in Providenciales highlighted the need to expedite these works. 
it is important to set up a proper system for effective and efficient method of managing the disposal of waste and to do it right the first time to at least endure a cleaner environment and cleaner water bodies in the Turks and Caicos. The Turks and Caicos has brought together a core team to lead project and we asked for your patience as the technical preliminaries are completed. We can assure you that a workable and sustainable solution will be found. And let me say that part of the issue uh, that we do have is the slow rate of which procurement is made. And we are making significant steps now, uh, working with the United Kingdom in updating the procurement ordinance to ensure that there's more flexibility and methodologies that we are not able to use now because they're not part of the bill, um, the ordinance rather, can be put into the ordinance that will help us to speed up the delivery of these major projects. And I'm hoping that the delivery of the proper solid waste management system will be one of those. Uh, other projects worth noting that we're working on, the living wage study. What I can say to you about that uh, is that a preliminary report will be finalized at the end of, of this month. And I specifically say living wage because living wage is not the same as minimum wage. Uh, living wage includes a minimum wage, but our intention is to look at what a minimum wage will be and how we supplement that minimum wage. We've heard spoke, spoke already about the possibility providing daycare services for, for families uh, within a certain income bracket and also things like nutritional grants and some of those other social uh, provisions. So by the time you add all of those together, the living wage will be significantly higher than a minimum wage. That work is progressing nicely and we are really hoping to uh, be able to come, to come to you soon about where we are with that. There will have to be a public consultation before we can conclude this work. There is currently, I believe, uh, a, an electronic survey going on now. And um, so for those of you who have access to the to internet, and I think I understand the penetration here is 85 percent, so most of you but your sm smartphones should be able to, to, uh, to participate in the survey. So there's the minimum wage, uh, living wage study. Uh, I mentioned the population policy study that we're looking at. We need to decide in this country what's the size of our population, what's going to be the, uh, the component, the makeup of it. Uh, so we need to come up with uh, a policy that would make sure that we end up uh, where we want to be. Uh, there's been recently some issues relating to some misunderstanding around migrant health. Uh, that is, you'll hear more about that maybe next week. But for the time being, I, there was a, a press statement that was issued, uh, which was in some ways incorrect, uh, and that is now being withdrawn and you will hear more after our next week's cabinet meeting exactly what the plans are for migrant health. 
the plan really is to try to simplify the process as quickly as possible. We understand the importance of uh, immigrant labor to the economy, and we don't want to put stumbling blocks in the way of employers and those persons who uh, have a legitimate right in the country to work. So we are working on that, and you, you will get a report uh, fairly quickly. I spoke earlier, mentioned earlier the digitalization of government, uh, and two projects that we are making significant, uh, that, that we have recently approved and are progressing. Uh, one is the national ID. The other one is e-judiciary to make it easier for the courts to do their jobs. And then, of course, just today we made some decisions as it relates to the domestic fiber optic cables spanning from Providenciales in the west to Grand Turk in the east. And again, you'll hear more about that uh, um, because it's a, it's a matter that is under serious consideration and work is, is being done on it. And um, again, I mentioned earlier uh, the framework that we're developing for equitable housing and redevelopment and expansion of Leeward Highway and South Dock Road. And, and again, the court complex are all projects that we're working on. Um, before I finish, before I cl close off on this, I think it would be remiss of me is not to remind us or not uh, to, to express sympathy for those persons and families who've lost loved ones through COVID-19. I want us to remember that COVID has not gone away entirely. It is still a problem. It still exists in these islands, and um, it could still have devastating impact on lives and, and on families. So I'm asked for those persons who have not been vaccinated uh, to please, even at this late stage, uh, consider getting vaccinated uh, and to ensure your loved ones are vaccinated. But get vaccinated, get boosted, um, and to protect yourself. There's pandemics and external issues are arising all the time. There's a new, there's a new scare at the moment on, as it relates to monkeypox. So we want to advise people to take every precaution they need to take to make sure their surrounding is clean and they, pract they practice uh, the best hygiene possible. Um, the truth of the matter is we live in a world where, and you can see it, we've gone from the COVID-19 pandemic to uh, now being impacted by the war in Russia and Ukraine, and we don't know where the next, what the next step is going to be. So you need, uh, uh, we need, and we, we pledge to always be vigilant and to be agile to make decisions quickly. So from that perspective, the, the measures of benefits that I've recently mentioned, I just rent mentioned, uh, we have to go to the House of Assembly. We are making progress in doing that, so we, we will have uh, the, the, the benefits that we, or the, the stimulus that we promised uh, will start to be disbursed in August, but um, the process, the government process require us to first take the matter to the House of Assembly, 
And so, and that's a process that we have to follow. So we hope to do start that before the end of June or July, so that before uh, the end of August, uh, you will have access to those funds. The In closing, let me say this. We've laid some bold plans when we took office and the promises we've made, and we are delivering on those promises. There's a whole package of stuff that's in the pipeline that is about to be delivered to you. Uh, our commitment remains as strong as it was at the beginning. We said to you, we come for this work, and I believe at any measure, with any previous administration, for those people who analyze the situation fairly and dispassionately uh, and honestly will say that we are delivering on the work that we promised that we will come, what we came for, despite the obstacles that, uh, that, we, that may be around. So I want Turks and Caicos Islands to know that um, the, the, the stimulus that we will give you in August uh, is just the first supplementary for the financial year 22-23. We do have a supplementary appropriation bill that we will bring to the House in September to make sure that that is oper operationalized in October. Uh, and we have to keep vigilant to be able to react very quickly to external shocks and other shocks, and we will do that. Um, so we, we come for this work, right? We, right? And things aren't perfect, but I can say, and I say, speak for all my colleagues, that we are and we will continue to work hard on your behalf to deliver for you and we will keep our eyes on the prize, and we will be able to react quickly as things, uh, things uh, problems and, and other things emerge. God has been good to us. Our economy is still strong. I pointed out to you earlier that we've got uh, close to $250 million in cash reserve. The economy is booming ahead, still doing well. Our debt is very low. Um, there's huge amounts of investment in the pipeline. Uh, our focus now is on making sure that Turks and Caicos Islanders uh, benefit. You will be seeing a slew of legislation. We have something like 53 pieces of legislation that we're working on at the moment. Some of them are going to reform uh, the business environment to make sure that we protect you. Some of them will deal with the whole issue of, of the, this, the, the pathway to citizenship and how we deal with that to ensure that uh, our position in this economy, in this country, is protected. Uh, so keep, uh, keep listening, and uh, you will be very pleased about the, the, um, the plans and the rate at which they will be delivered, particularly in light of our new delivery unit. So I stand ready to ask any questions. Uh, that you may have. Hmm? Thank you, Honorable Premier.
So just before we take questions, uh, we've been monitoring the feed on Facebook, so we want to repeat um, what the Premier mentioned as it relates to the government's response to the high cost of living and inflationary pressures. So the Cabinet today agreed to a price inflation stimulus package totaling some $16 million. And this package has three parts. The first one is direct assistance of $1,000 totaling 12, up to $12 million for persons who would have qualified for the $500 stimulus in March. So persons who qualified and was approved for the $500 stimulus this past March, you don't have to do anything, no applications, a check will automatically be printed in your name. All right, so one more time, persons who would have been approved and would have received the check for $500 this past March, you don't have to do anything. A check would automatically be printed for you in the amount of $1,000, and details about distribution and payment dates will be publicized in the weeks to come. All right, secondly, the government has agreed to provide a waiver of customs duties and customs processing fees on, cert on certain staple and bread basket items imported to the islands from August 1st to November 30th, 2022. So that list will be uh, widely publicized and shared um, with persons in the islands so that you know exactly what items are waived. Thirdly, government has increased the works program amount. And Minister, I believe the, the original amount was, was $1 million. Government is now injecting an additional $2 million into the works program. So what that means is we have an additional $2 million worth of work that persons will be able to qualify for in this financial year to be able to assist with their businesses, to be able to assist with the economy, and then hopefully help you to stay afloat during these uncertain um, inflationary pressures. Fin finally, Cabinet also agreed. Now, for those of us who travel to the U.S. Um, constantly, you would know that when you return, every Turks and Caicos Islander, every BOT citizen, every resident that's in the Turks and Caicos Islands is entitled to a $400 exemption. Cabinet today agreed to increase that amount by $200, and now your exemption is $600. $600 every time you travel. Additionally, um, Customs intends to remove the requirement to complete Customs arriving passenger declaration forms at all international airports in the Turks and Caicos Islands with the effective date of August 1st, 2022. And again, more information will be provided from the Ministry of Immigration and Border Services as to how this process will play out. And simply put, for that last part, no more forms of customs at the airport. All right, so and now we'll open up the floor for questions. Um, we'll start with you, Magnetic Media. You can go ahead. All right, go ahead, Ms. Hamilton. Yes, we can.
hear the apologies, but what are you actually doing to, you know, enhance communication? Because we're seeing in our cabinet notes so many policy changes, so many things that should be explained by the individual ministers, um, some things even in great detail because of what they actually propose. And then, of course, that spills into what many have labeled as a lack of representation, especially lately in relation to Fortis TCI and the electricity bills, um, which, which raised a lot of concern among consumers. And then crime, uh, just, just the silence over the time when we were experiencing a few weeks back uh, uh, just a terrible, heartbreaking spate of crime. Um, so I guess just specifically, what, what what are you doing to enhance this communication? Or maybe what is your strategy why we don't hear from you more in this sort of forum? So um, I think, let me say two things. Thank you for your question. Um, uh, you said that the um, issues uh, that appear in the press statements are not properly explained uh, is not by the ministers or individuals post but as a I, I don't know that um, certainly you are a member of the media and um, I think you have a right to ask those questions and I think we've always been accommodating as far as I'm concerned as far as I'm aware uh, certainly I have been every time you've reached out to me I try to provide information. Uh, it's part of the, the, the press is sometimes referred to as the fifth discipline or whatever you call it, the fifth estate or something like that. So I think there's an obligation for that information to be uh, uh, dispersed um, uh, sort of uh, uh, evenly and, and, and Fairly, so I, I I don't think um, so. That's the first statement part I'll make. I think you have access to to every minister, if, if, and 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 as a, as a journalist, uh, the dis the uh, this uh, disposition or the dissemination or the broadcasting of information uh, is available to everyone who plays in that space. Uh, so, as it relates to government communications, I believe uh, anyone, uh, everyone would be aware of the serious efforts that the government have been making in trying to stand in place a communications directorate that is still going on, and and um, it is not as easy as some may think to something that stands something that in place given the issues that we have uh, finding with capacity and with talent and so yes I made a statement some time ago that we will come to speak to the public more often and and yes it is necessary it is needed and we still intend to do it but it is and it's taking more time that we than we expected it would take uh, in the meantime I would ask you to use your your ability or your access to government to tease out the issues that you have questions about uh, and so that that's that would be my reply as it relates to issues around crime and other things that information constantly goes out either by the police by the government 
by national security. Every time there is a, 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 an issue of, of serious crime in this country, information goes out about it. And I truly take it to heart uh, what a journalist can do, can access, should do, should access. But we ask your ministers, and I don't know what you know, but we don't always get a reply. We do ask department leaders, we don't always get a rep reply. We do seek out information on a very regular basis and we don't always get a reply. And I find that would relate more to stories that we may be pursuing based on information we may hear. What I'm speaking about are policies that government may agree to, which should naturally come from the ministry because they would be, they would be it's, a, it's almost an obligation that if you're going to make a policy change, adjustment for the better, um, for enhancements, improvements, that you detail that information to the public in some document that we can refer to, even as the media even as just a, a general member of public? Well, uh, what, I, what I can say to you is that, yeah, the government has been working on a lot of policies and uh, we're making good progress. Um, we're making progress in setting up a policy register online. I would, quite, I would be uh, pleased for you to reach back out to my office to provide you with information as to exactly where we are with the setting up the policy registry so that all those all of government policies would be easily accessible online. Um, you know, it does take time sometimes to put these things in place. Uh, but now we've I I can point to probably twenty plus or more policies that have been put in place since the elections. Right? And uh they have all been, for the most part, uh, mentioned in the press, but I agree with you. It would be good that if they're more easily accessible so the public uh, can find them. And that is what we're working on at the moment, to make sure that policies, not only major policies, but all government policies are accessible online. And. Um, that. Uh, talk to me now, though, about um, the representation for residents to Fortis TCI. What maybe has happened through the Home Affairs Minister and his Energies um, Commissioner? What maybe has happened through our Department of, of Consumer? Okay, well, um, I'm glad you asked the question. It's a good question. And um, we had reduced the CPF on fuel from 7.5% to 5%. Uh, and we expected that it would have had an impact on the power bills. Um, at the same time, we reduced the fuel factor, I mean the CPF. Uh, prices continue to rise. Uh, Fortis has indicated that it has had no impact, or very little impact on their, uh, on their bill, on the bills. So we've decided part... I mean, we, with the stimulus that we've just announced, we could have gone several ways in, of doing it. We could have gone and reduced taxes by that amount or more, right, uh, through reducing the customs duty, the CPF, or, and leave it up to the forces of the, 
of, of, the, of economics to have it trickle down to the population, but we've, uh, we've learned that, that it doesn't work that way because the merchants, whether they be Fortis or the supermarkets or some other entity, never seem to pass the savings on. So uh, that is why we've given uh, people the, the money in their hands, and hopefully they will be responsible and ensure that they set priorities uh, in order to be able to make sure they can meet some of the obligations. Um, you know, we real and what you have to understand as well that uh, the stimulus is given to every adult who qualifies at a certain age, and sometimes you can have several adults living in the same household. So we believe overall that impact will have that uh, that decision, that policy will have a greater impact. On, on, the, on the utility bill. So to say, that we've, to say that we haven't done anything about that is probably a misunderstanding. Uh, so all of that was taken into consideration in arriving at, at the decision to issue another stimulus. And let me say well, on the stimulus issue that this is still only meant to be a short-term measure because, as I said earlier, we are looking at ways we can increase the social benefits uh, to low-income houses and homes in particular uh, to ensure that they, they could live uh, a decent uh, quality of life. So for those people who are saying that we haven't touched the fuel factor or, or the decisions that we made, we've kind of left for us out of the loop. Uh, that is not the case. Uh, we are in negotiations with Fortis as we speak about a number of issues, including renewable energy, including investments that they want to make which could potentially impact the cost of power. Right? And where I, So that conversation is going on. You know. But what about the consumer who believes that the consumption was all wrong on their bill. Is the Energy Commissioner looking into that to give some report to the public on findings? You know, most people would want to label it a glitch because they're just not in agreement with the consumption. They may agree with the fuel factor. I think there was the general expectation that despite the CPF um, discount or cut, we would still have seen high bills due to the, the, the crisis with, with, um, with fuel. But what about the consumption rate where there's a big query? What I want to know is if your administration, if your departments that are linked and are able to, are authorized by law to do so, are looking into that, making sure that um, people are getting fair electricity bills. Well, uh, let me say this. Uh, there are different steps that could be taken. First of all, if people are unhappy with the bill or they feel like uh, they... they they have been uh, billed wrongly. There's a first step would be to approach um, Fortis uh, about about that as to why why the bill is so high or why the consumption rate goes up. And Fortis, I understand, have a system where they will come in and assist with doing an audit of the of your power consumption to show you uh, what that the reason uh, that. 
if, if of course, there's justifiable reason uh, or, or force is, because what you're saying seems to imply that there's something sort of sleight of hand going on, potentially. Right? And, and, of course, the government wouldn't get involved in any fight until there's hard evidence to prove otherwise. And, of course, the court system always also exists for people to take their issues to. And, of course, yes, we do have a, 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 a Department of Trade and a department that deals with consumer protection. And, yes, if that matter is reported and there's justifiable reason to, to suspect that some, something on, onto what is happening, uh, we will look into it and engage uh, the, the phone company on the behalf of, the, of consumers generally. But I, I, I don't, um, that would be a, a really bad um, reflection on Fortis, who is a publicly listed company. I think from a reputational point of view, uh, it would be extremely damaging if it could be proven that they are stealing from people. on next. Honorables that uh, may be in the room. Um, Premier, my, my question um, actually is, is similar to along the lines of what DeAndrea asked, um, and, but in particular, it, we, we've gone through several stimulus packages now and We've been promised that at some point we're going to have a report on the impact of the stimulus um, and, and whether or not they're actually having the desired out outcomes that you want. Uh, my question is, given all that's going on, we, we know the government that money isn't endless, but um, is the government thinking in, ter in terms of pumping more money into small business development and ensuring that Turks and Caicos Islanders are able to essentially be more or less independent of the government and, and, and more um, owners of the economy. It, would that be a, a better long-term strategy and how would the government do something like that? Well, let me say that uh government has to approach issues from a multi-pronged perspective. Uh, not everyone is interested in r r running a business, owning a small business, or have the, um, the ability to do so. Uh, and there will always be people who uh, are different stratas of society. Unfortunately, that's the way the world is. Uh, yes, the government is pumping more money into uh, making more money available to small businesses. Just two cabinets meetings ago, we have announced that we have increasing the amount of grants from $10,000 for micro-businesses. I forget the scales, but we've gone up to, I think, up to 50000 
Right. So between cash and, uh, and, and technical assistance, the government is uh, off, offered $60,000 to small businesses uh, to help them. And we've, we've, we've expanded the, the categories of businesses that qualify for those grants. Uh, we give out on a regular basis, just, three day, just the last week's meeting, we approved three, either three or four uh, um, licenses uh, that would, for people in the agricultural area that would qualify them to get those grants. So I, I don't think it is right to say that we're not pumping money into small businesses, empowering people to get into small businesses. I think we are. And we, the other thing we've done, we're simplifying the process to make it easier for them to get the money. Uh, and there, 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 there significant, there are other efforts being made uh, as well uh, to do so. But this, these are not ordinary times, right? And and we can't. Any solution we come in with today uh, will be changed tomorrow, depending on what the external shocks are. Um, you know the. Uh, putting money in people's pocket at the moment to assist them over this difficult time uh, is something that we must do, and and we are monitoring it. We don't want to create a situation where people become dependent on the government. For the same token, we can't allow a, uh, you know, we 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 can't not help out in a situation like we're facing now. Uh, as I said earlier, maybe fuel prices will come down, and if it come down, then that helps everyone. Uh, you know, but I, I reiterate the reason why we didn't give the subsidy, we didn't reduce the taxes, because the public would not have gotten the benefit based on experience. Given that, you, given that you say the government is monitoring the situation, I mean, how close are we to having a report on the impact of, of these um, stimulus packages and whether or not they're having the desired outcome? I mean, uh, do we know if the money is staying in the economy or, or, or do we have some money, significant sums leaving the economy and not, um, you know, essentially going back into communities? Well, um, Damien, that question, uh, you can answer that for yourself. I tell you what it is. This economy, this is part of what we're trying to correct. We're trying to correct to build an economy where there's, a, there's, there's velocity, where the money goes around. But as long as we have to import everything, the money doesn't stay. It goes out. That's why we're giving people money to invest into farming and small business manufacturing and uh, the, the primary industry because... Uh, we have, a, I've said it ten times, we have a shoe box economy. You know, the money comes in, you put it in the shoes box, and then it goes back out to buy new, new stuff. So that's, we don't have an economy, money don't circulate. And so we're trying to build an economy where money could circulate, where more money could, could get into the local economy. But, it, but whether it circulates or whether it goes out to buy goods, people still have to survive, you know. Uh, we don't um, we do, we don't grow cream of wheat here. We don't we don't can sardine here. We don't grow rice here. Uh, we, we you know so the, the money has to go back out. 
Unfortunately, that, that's the problem with these small, vulnerable island states. Well, um, Premier, thank, thank you for your response, and, and I think the public um, understands where you're coming from on that. Um, the, the Grand Turk Enhancement and Sustainability Agency, um, there's been lots of speculation about it on the island of Grand Turk. Um, persons are wondering when are they going to hear more specifics about exactly what this uh, agency will be doing in relation to the island of Grand Turk that has now surpassed the, the 300,000 uh, cruise passenger mark. Um, Grand Turk still needs significant upgrades in terms of, of some urban renewal. Um, so what is happening there and what can you tell the people of the island of Grand Turk? Um. Damien, thanks for the question. The, this, is, this has been long coming, and I agree with you. Uh, the Grand Turk needs some serious urban upgrades uh, and the protection of historic and cultural sites, uh, and generally to improve the, the quality of the experience, not only for our visitors, but for those of us who live and visit Grand Turk. So. Uh, the CISA is now established by law. We made, we uh, nominated or made appointments uh, to the board today so that we now have a, f a full board in place once the, once the instruments are issued. And then the next step would be to make sure we have someone in charge, a, a CEO or a MD or someone who could manage CISA, uh, make sure we have skills available to us like curators, like vernacular architects, skills, and then we look at the historic districts. We have identified a number of projects. Uh, we have the Grand Turk Master Plan that was done by, uh, in conjunction from the fund a few years, well, way back in 2016. Uh, and a lot of other projects that have been identified. Um, so I, I think once the, once the operation, once the agency got fully, gets fully operationalized, I think you will see a lot of those, um, the, the, the historic areas in particular. Uh, you know, one of my favorite areas in Grand Turk is Middle Street, for example, right, where we've already lost a lot of very uh, historic uh, building and cultural sites, uh, and the few that is left, and, the, and those that are not there anymore, we we may need to find ways to to rebuild uh, or work with partners to have the those those areas uh, improved. So uh, we we, and then of course the whole corridor getting from the south end of the island to the north end of the island uh, needs to be enhanced. Opportunity again. Uh, Mr. Premier, we see some discussion happening in the UK Parliament about same sex marriage laws being changed in British OTs. Is Turks and Caicos going to be changing its laws related to this? Um, I kind of predicted that this question will come up. Uh, let me say to you that the 
people of the Turks and Caicos Islands voted me into office, voted this government into office. So no decision will be made about marriage uh, or any of that unless and until the people are consulted, and that includes the entire people of these islands. Okay, uh, marriage as is traditionally known in the Bible is the marriage that we in these islands most of us ascribe to. Uh, it doesn't, to my mind, it uh, has anything to do with the equity between people who may decide to have relationships. That's, that's a different matter. I think we're all equal before the law, but when it comes to the divine law of God, uh, that is a different matter. That's, that is God's, God has spoken about how that should be. And I think um, we will be advised by the voters of this country as to which direction we take on that. But uh, so we, we, we would not, under no circumstances, be following uh, verbatim or um, unquestionably the decisions that may come out of the House of Lords as a result of the private member's bill. We don't know what that will do. We have, we have assurances from the United Kingdom that uh, that is not something that they will pre are prepared to, an area that they would venture into uh, in terms of forcing the, the overseas territories. But they'd, a lot of the decisions uh, in places like Bermuda and the Cayman Islands were decisions that were were made by the courts. The court kind of were the catalysts for those decisions. And so uh, the, the what's going on in the UK comes to no surprise to us. I think we all knew that will that would raise its head at some time or sooner or later. Thank you, Mr. Premier. You talked about the population, and I wonder where we are with the census. Unless I missed it, I don't think I've seen any notices about the progress of the census, which I believe is due this year. I, 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 I don't have an answer for you. I can get an answer for you to tell you exactly where we are. I know there's some work being done on it, um, but I don't know exactly how far we've gotten with it. Uh, the Minister of Finance may be able to provide you some uh, answer to that because it's uh, statistics still fall under his ministry. Yes, uh, thank you, DeAndre. Uh, as the Premier said, the Department of uh, Statistics is uh, falls under the Ministry of Finance. In the, uh, the census, uh, the administrative part of it has already started. We're, um, we're about to get ready now to start to do the actual uh, counting. Uh, the counting part is, hasn't started because it's going to be done with electronic devices, so those devices are being procured. But that uh, we expect the actual counting to start uh, in the f uh, fourth quarter of this calendar year, so that's between October and December, and the final report to be finished uh, before July of next year. So, so that's where we are. So we've done all of the, not all of it, but we've done most of the preliminary work and counting should start um, start soon. So people should be expecting persons to, uh, in a few months, to start showing up at their door to, to actually get the count. Thank you, Mr. DP. Tell me something about the breadbasket items since you're there. Are this, this I, I'm, I'm hearing it announced and I, I understand it was explained that it will begin in August, we will get that list. But this, does this also rope in the grocers, the grocery stores? Uh, but we, we're looking at the uh, the costing across a number of items. 
Uh, so, but I'm not sure what you mean when you say rope in the uh, the grocery stores. We're going to be looking at them across all all stores, and so that's the reason why. It's only for individuals, residents in Turks and Caicos. Like when we go away, do we get to shop and we get as individual people a break on bread basket items, some bread basket items, or is this something you're going to legislate across the board and then we would see the savings if we individually shop as well as if we go into a local grocery store and shop? Well, I think the short answer is yes. You know, and, I, and the premier started behind me shouting it out. So, so, so yes. But you, uh, the idea is for us is to be able to ensure that the prices on those bread basket items don't go through the roof where people can't afford them. Uh, and so we've got our, um, I think the, uh, the list has uh, certainly in the 20s, and, uh, and, it's, and it's based on the most popular items that people require, I mean, uh, would want. Uh, but we're constantly going to be, I mean, we're looking at that. But the answer to your question, the short answer is yes. You will be able to get the benefit as an individual person if you went abroad and shopped and brought them in. Um, good evening again, uh, everyone. Uh, I just have one more question for Mayor DeAndre actually um, <coughs> asked a few questions that I had lined up. Um, and uh, I just wanted to make one comment. Uh, last night I had the opportunity to uh, interview the um, Premier of the Virgin Islands, Dr. Wheatley, and uh, we spoke about uh, a closer ties between the OTs and, and presenting a united front. And I think um, the issue that DeAndre raised is one of those issues we can uh, tackle together. However, um, my, my last question, Premier, really is along the lines of, of an ongoing issue. I noticed you said that you have 53 pieces of legislation lined up um, to be tabled. And I wanted to know if one of those pieces of legislation was uh, the Freedom of Information Bill that we've been discussing for the last 10 years. And I can remember vividly um, you in particular campaigning on the bill. I myself am an advocate of, of access um, on the part of the public because I don't think the public should always have to come to government or media for information when they can get it themselves. So is the Freedom of Information Act on the table and, and how soon? Okay, thanks. Uh, Damien. Uh, the question is no, it is not. Uh, there are infrastructures that have been put in place, a legal infrastructure, uh, because the freedom of an, any Freedom of Information Act uh, automatically increases the litigation uh, and the resource requirement. And the key part of that resource requirement is to make sure we have a functional uh, communication system. And the communication system in government is both, uh, as the DeAndre the pointed out earlier, uh, um, is, um, is not uh, where it ought to be. And we have and are continuing to make um, strides in making sure we establish, and I say establish, a proper uh, functional communication framework. Uh, and before that can operate properly, uh, it needs to be established. So our focus is wants to be on establishing it. And of course, there. Uh, I don't want to say too much about that, because that is on, that is ongoing. The effort to establish 
a broad-based communication system uh, is something that we have been trying to uh, establish. Thank you, Honorable Premier. Once again, thank you again, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again, Turks and Caicos, for tuning in. Um, for the media present and joining us virtually, should you have any additional questions, as always, you can email us at premierpress at gov.tc. For the listening public, you can send us a message on Facebook or on Twitter, the office of the Premier Turks and Caicos Islands. Um, this has been a live national update from the Premier of the Turks and Caicos Islands, the Honorable Charles Washington Mizek. Uh, for more information, you can visit www.gov.tc as well. And as a, a plug for TCIG, we are currently uh, open for recruitment. Some 90-plus positions are out, so you can visit www.gov.tc as well to see the available positions. And I've, I remember correctly, those positions close on the 22nd of July. So again, thank you, Turks and Caicos, and have a wonderful evening.